Lee Whitehorn, 44 years of age, father of two, married to Laura, siblings, Luke, Jay, Rachel and Jane. Uh, one father, two mums. That's me in a nutshell, footy coach. I, I look at myself as just the average, everyday, run-of-the-mill bloke. Why am I here today? Um, to talk about my diagnosis um, that I received, uh, not great with dates, but I'm going to say about six weeks ago. Um, and I was diagnosed uh, initially with a lesion, which I think is a nice word initially for a tumour or cancer. And I was diagnosed with a diffused glioblastema. I had my first vomit yesterday at the hospital. I was just talking about it too, it's made yeah, me feel sick. trying to determine what it was, but I was like, I'd just done my first Pilates workout, and my, everything was like shaking, and then I had this big serve of oats and um, yogurt with strawberries and cinnamon apples, and I've just like, wah, 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 wah. and like 10 minutes after, I'm at home, and then I felt my mouth go funny, and I was like, I'm going to be sick. And I'd also, mind you, had two days consecutive where I hadn't taken my anti-nausea tablets because I'd run out of them. And I'd ordered them, but I'm like, oh, I kind of wanted to test myself in that space anyway and see if I could, you know, dickhead. Just, I'll test myself there. Why would you, who tests themselves in this space when you know what the outcome will be? No, I get too no, stressed no, you about don't, But vomit. you don't know what the outcome will be. Well, That's the thing. I feel like Can you, you like... <laughs> If I, if I, I feel like t- after all this, all this time, they have a pretty good idea. Um, they probably do. But <laughs> they give you I worked, I worked at a butcher's for two years. Yeah, this is true. Now, actually, if you're going to develop a strong stomach, it's going to be when you're working at a butcher's, guaranteed. The stuff that you consume there, on a regular basis, you get a pretty strong guts. But it didn't work. I held on to it at home. I was like, I'm going to have a shower. I just need a big burp. I think. So I went and had a shower. Warm showers, all good. Body started to relax a little bit. Had a big burp and I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. That's good. <laughs> and I, I went to hospital and obviously I, at the moment um, uh, I was on my own. I went in, I sat down and I picked up my anti-nausea drugs that I should have picked up two days prior. What's and that? then the rest of my drugs that I needed. And then I went and sat down. I was watching everybody and I'm like, da-da-da. And I'm like, okay. Hopefully I get called up a little bit late today because I had my radiotherapy post that and I thought the shorter the gap in between the two, the better. Well, what was the first? So my first appointment is is, is with the oncology. So ah, copy. Um, yeah. the lady, Your weekly, you have a weekly meeting with them? With two. With two so yeah. head of radiotherapy, yeah. head of um, chemo. Yeah. Um, and then I have my daily appointments. So I'd finished, I was sitting there waiting and I went, hopefully I get called up soon. And then I just went, you know, when your mouth goes watery, when you've been, you've had 15 vodka Red Bulls and you go, I am such, <laughs> I was there going, just hang on, just hang on. Cause if you get called and you're not here, I get bumped and I'm like, I, I don't want to get bumped cause I, like, I don't want to wait any longer. And then I'm like, it's actually happening. It, this is happening. And I had my mask on and I just, I'm walking past all these people very, very swiftly, just walking past going, oh, just hang on. And I kept like, just hang in there. And then I got into the toilet 
and I was a little bit sick. And I thought, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit piss weak. Like, I, you kind of, if I'm going to be sick, I think I need to be sick. And as I thought that, yeah, like, I was sick, like, fully like sick. Fully <laughs> sick, but yeah. not in the, like, fully, fully sick, sick, bro. <laughs> I was fully sick, dude. Uh, and your Viet Calais there, mate. And I was, I was emptied. And um, it felt, it just took me back to being, like, 18 at, Lenny's in Adelaide and you'd just drunk two trays of vodka and raspberry and you thought, oh, I'm going to be sick. But you know what? I'll empty my stomach and I'll be good to go again. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it might have been a combo of the, the workout in the morning, never done Pilates. For anyone out there that hasn't done Pilates yeah. before, I'm all, I've always been... Big shout out to Body Smart. To Body Paddington. Smart, a yeah. brilliant organisation. Um, we'll probably get my evil trainer in at some stage to speak. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we should probably uh, introduce everyone to episode four, seeing that we've had that to, to kick us off with. I'm Luke, here with my brother Lee, as you would have heard about him and his spew story now. So that's lovely. So uh, how are you doing anyway, outside of your first week and, um, sorry, your first spew this week? Yeah, good. Other than bringing back memories of um, young years at nightclubs. First week, uh, what are we down? Third week? Fourth week? Um, that's How a really good I question. I am into three and a half. Three and a half, like yeah, yeah. It'll be three and a half. So I'm into, I think I'm onto about my 18th. So 18th treatment. Amazing. So, so far, what has the, uh, what's the feedback from the podcast been like for you? Um, really Good. It's probably not healthy for my ego, to be honest. I'm listening oh, to right. some people and the <laughs> and the pump ups you get, yeah. uh, but it's nice. Uh, most people that have made contact with me have um, given the feedback that it's probably helped them set some perspective for their day. Um, that they've listened to it in the morning, perhaps on a walk or of an evening, um, and that it's just allowed them to sort of reset where are they at with what they are doing in their relationships with people and how they value those relationships. Just small things. I shouldn't say small things because they're not, mm. but it's allowed people to, I guess, listen to this and, and think what are the most important things in my day? Mm. Um, and they should always be, as we've discussed before, the people that surround you and the connection that you have with them um, and what they are doing for you and what are you doing for them. So a lot of the feedback has been in in that space of positivity, um, which is good, and and people are, I had a girl that I used to work with text me the other day and said, it's currently my favourite podcast, uh, and she listens to it each week when it comes out on her evening walk, um, and that was nice to hear. She's yeah. only twenty two, so it's nice to hear that uh, a youngster. I say that because I'm double that age. <laughs> <laughs> a youngster can take something from it as well. So yeah. yeah, no, I think it's pretty amazing, right? That's a that's a cool part. That's what I love about podcasts because I know I'm I love a good podcast. I love listening to it. So it's the ability to kind of be. It's quite. It's almost quite intimate, right? Because you're you you know people go away for their they go for their walk and you're kind of in the ears and you're 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 sharing story and sharing conversation and kind of taking them on that journey. I think so far I've had really positive feedback from people too. I only ran into someone yesterday who. Um, had heard about it and was listening along and, and you know, an old friend. And uh, and I think the one thing people are most shocked, not shocked at, but the feedback, I guess, is is around that level of optimism 
in such a difficult time. Mm. Um, and, and I don't know, I mean, you definitely set the cue for that, right? Yeah. Or, or, you know, set the tone, I should say for that, especially for me. I know when we started having our conversations about it and, you know, kind of how you're tackling it and, and, and your perspective on it, it was very much for me, it really solidified that position of going, there's so much sadness in the world. There's so many difficulties and so much sadness and, 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 you can stand there and you can look one way or it can look the other. And it's not like if you don't look at the difficulties that you're being ignorant or you're in denial, it's just actually, I want to look at the more positive, more optimistic, even if the outcome is something that might fall on that side, I'd rather the journey be focused on the other side instead. Um, and I think people have kind of, people are, are quite taken by that from, from what I've seen so far, but I know that you really set that tone. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any other way that you can approach it. I've, I've always been, optimistic uh because it's just been in my nature that i've always tried to seek positives in any circumstance um and and with individuals um and in this case and you're right there is there's a lot of sad uh in the world but if we choose to just look at that then that's what we immerse ourselves in mm. the the sad and the, and the horrible things that occur um, and there are a lot of things that occur not in this country that are horrible and, and terrible. And we focus strongly on that. I can't impact another country. I can't impact someone uh, from another country. I don't have any influence in that space. The only space I have influence in are the people that surround me. So that optimism um, and that energy, and, and you're really good in that space also, um, helps influence others. And then that's that ripple effect of, for me, that's how you affect. Mm. So that energy, that optimism passes on to someone you speak to. And then hopefully if they're in a position to receive that, that then passes on to the next and the next and the next and the next. Mm. Um, and that's how you, I guess, for me, that's how you affect change. It takes longer. Mm. Um, but for me, that's that's what it's about. It's about affecting change in that space that whether I get uh, one year, Two, three, ten, fifteen, twenty, more. Um, being optimistic and positive throughout that period is really, really important for me. It was almost like your immediate call to action. There was almost a level of grace that came across you to be able to go. I'm gonna look for the optimistic in what could be difficult. You were always optimistic before, but like anyone, we have the ability to kind of go. Ah, everything's a bit, you know, fucked and whatever. Did it happen naturally? Was was there something that happened? Obviously, getting news like this is quite difficult. But was there a moment that you went, "This is the only way I can look at it," or did, was it just was it just was it nat what I'm trying to say? Was it natural, or was there a decision that you kind of made after getting that news to kind of go, "This is now the focus." Uh, for me, you work in culture. Um, for me, it's part of your individual culture. So for me, my behaviours. Um, my attitude, um, my beliefs are, are all in that space of, of optimism, regardless of where it sits, whether it's sport or a relationship or whatever it might work, um, it always sits in that space. Where, where it was solidified for me was, I think, at the very first meeting with the neurosurgeon, when I, I and I think we talked about this in episode one, I knew that there was bad news coming. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at reading a room and reading individuals. I knew that there were bad news, that it was coming. I'd been in a really positive space before that in terms of 
it's not going to be bad news. It's just going to be something that they can remove and we'll just roll on um, as we have been. But I knew and I think looking at my wife, who, who again, you know, I've spoken about a bit and to me uh, waited 36 years to find uh, my wife, to find mm-hmm. Laura. So the importance of her to me is enormous. Um, and looking at her when I knew that that information was coming across, I guess that's where straight away I went, right, I need to lead immediately here. I can't have my wife see me break down and become, you know, a dribbling mess. Uh, not that I didn't cry. I did cry um, a small amount, but it was an, an initially and immediately it was about, okay, moving forward. Right, we, we know what we're dealing with now, so... Mm. Now we just need to find out what the next steps are and let's get it done. I'm incredibly lucky to have the network of friends that I do. And they've all been through stuff that's pretty hard mm. and they've all remained really positive and influential individuals um, and families. So for me, they were the two points that mm. sort of just sort of bedrock of it, I guess. I think what I love the most about that is that you're saying it's, you know, your response is almost that moment where it calls to belief. You know, you've said this from the beginning, you you have to have faith in yourself. And it's almost like in that moment, it called on this inherent kind of um, belief system that you had in there, which is I always look for optimism. So now more than ever, I require this belief system to kick in and not just be something internal, but actually develop into my behaviors and develop into my everyday in order to 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 have faith, to, to, to believe that I'm actually going to get through this and, and to be able to actually live and breathe what I, what I truly believe um, exists within me. Uh, yeah, it's, it, I think what it did do for me, I've always had strong belief in myself as an individual, but I've been a little bit, and you'll probably support this, and um, I know a number of people will, I've probably been a bit reserved in that space in terms of... <clears throat> my capacity as an individual and what I'm capable of, of doing and, and working through and influencing, I guess, um, in a positive manner. Um, but when this came along, it kind of just went, okay, you've, like now you actually have to just step it up just mm-hmm. a bit. Like now it has to become, again, getting back to that culture, that my culture, my daily values and behaviors that I have to live. Mm. I can't just talk to other people about how they should be doing things. Um, And I'm not saying that I didn't do that myself. I've always been fairly active in that space, but I just had to be far more consistent. Will it bring the very best out of me? And so far, I feel like it has, and I feel like it will continue to do that. So in terms of that optimism, I know we've spoken about this uh, during the week. There was one conversation that we did have, which was um, in relation to receiving some news or being in a consult. I don't know if you want to talk about that in terms of what ha- what experiences have you had so far that have um, challenged your optimism or your ability to remain optimistic? I don't know if you want to go into to that story of the power uh, of words. I'm ha- yeah, absolutely, yeah. because it's really important. I won't say that this incident challenged my optimism because optimism, again, like belief, is something that should, it's unwavering. Mm, so like it, should always, yeah. it should just be there. It's, it's, always it's there. there. It's always okay. there. It's always present. 
<clears throat> the the part that I found challenging in this space was the individual that we were dealing with um, was in a role of welfare uh, and we were meeting to discuss a few different things about where we can receive assistance, etc., what's available from a government perspective because, you know, we're down to my wife's income. Um, I can't, can't work at the moment. So we don't receive anything other than that. So it's for the first time in your life going, okay, well, we need to go and see what we can access. And the individual that we met with who I thought would be really in a position of welfare and would be really positive and reassuring. Mm. And I'd just come from meeting with uh, one of the oncologists who looked at me for a couple of minutes and said, you're going great guns. You look good. You sound good. Everything that I'm observing is really positive. I think you're going to fly through this treatment. I feel really good about it. Um, and again, talked about the numbers around the uh, around the illness, and the, on average, it's fourteen months for an individual with the same tumor that I have. Um, but again, um, I think we've talked about football a fair bit. It's just a stat. It's a number, and it's worst case scenario. Um, and there's usually a big difference between worst case and best. Um, I mean, gosh, let's just let's let's compare it to the Brisbane Broncos' very best and their very worst. <laughs> it's, it's an enormous cavity. It was quite confronting to hear this individual speak to me and talk about um, when I pass. So she was. We were talking. So, so about not if when when. Yeah, and it was just that simple terminology for me. Part of me felt, I felt quite sorry for her because for whatever reason she was quite, I don't know if intimidated, but she looked really nervous. Mm. Um, I could see that she was really nervous and I and I felt for her in a way because I thought, you know, when someone gets up and they're public speaking and you know that they're going to do a good job, mm. you just hope that they get that little kick that propels them into that next phase of, I feel really comfortable in this space and I'm going to speak really well. Mm. But then there are moments where you don't get to that space and you can't get past it and you go, I'm going to be a mess speaking to this group today or these individuals. Mm. And I think perhaps that's where she was at. Um, She'd done it before. uh, She would meet dozens of people people. every day and probably does a really, really good job. But for me, sitting there listening to someone speak, in that manner was it got I did get angry um, yeah I was going to say how did you what was your so, so so to set the tone she's sitting there having a conversation and the whole thing was around when you pass yep. and so as she continued that conversation your emotional response internally was what because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's very hard right like there, there's there's levels of optimism where you can be like everything's but when someone quite literally is sitting there and and challenging well using words because words are powerful right like that's what opt, the optimism is 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 that you know it's it's partly just the the vision and the ideas in your head and then it's the language we choose to use every day it's the ability to go we don't know what tomorrow will bring but we just know we're going to do our best yeah and i guess for me that was that's probably the coach educator 
uh, in you where I just wanted to pull her up at one point and <laughs> almost like quarter time and say, you're just not on the right track at the moment. I know <laughs> what you're trying to deliver here yeah. and I know what you're trying to execute, but you, you're just missing the mark because the language you're using at the moment is not the language that I want or need to hear so that I can leave this space in a positive manner and go and enjoy the rest of my day and keep my headspace. Because I think with any illness, or not even illness, any sort of mental health issue um, can be enhanced or exaggerated by the environment or by an individual or just by a word yeah. or by a look. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole range of things that can influence in that space. I guess I'm, I feel lucky that I'm an individual that can sit in that space and understand that you're just not having a good moment. Mm. There are footballers that don't have good moments. They're the best coaches in the world that don't have good moments. Um, you know, I'm sure there's people that have spoken at TED conferences that have gone, missed the mark, and these are some of the brightest individuals in the world. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm not happy with you. I'm not going to verbalize that to you, but what I am going to do is let you know in some way, shape, or form that you need to have a think about how you have handled this meeting. So for me, that was to literally tell Laura, okay, we're done uh, and we're going. Literally, we both got up and she said, is there anything else I can help you with? And I said, no, that's fine. Have a great day and just walked out. Now, I hope she had the time to sit there and think, Geez, that was really uncomfortable and didn't feel great. Why? What did I do? What did I say? And hopefully she could reflect on that. And then hopefully the next person that entered that room, she was in a completely different space. I don't know. But for me, it was more, I was just disappointed because words are important. They're really, mm. really important mm. because you mm. can't take them back. Mm. Once they're spoken, they're one of those things. They're like glue. They just stick. Mm. Um, and some can stick for a long time and they can become a lighter burden or they can just become bigger and bigger and bigger mm. um, and continue to build and be dragged along with you. So yeah. um, you have to be really, really important in that space. I've certainly learned that in coaching and I know that I've had my moments in coaching where I have used the wrong words, absolutely, and I have affected individuals emotionally. Um, what do you do to resolve that? So if you're an individual who knows that you've been in a situation, you've used the wrong language at that time and you've had the capacity to have a level of self-awareness, go back, reflect and go, wow, actually, I don't know whether that was the right thing. Now, I think first and foremost, the ability to have self-awareness and, and self-reflect is probably, you know, not everyone not everyone is, is, is quite equipped in that space. But if you do, what do you then do? Uh, that takes time and experience, experience, which is time. Um to get to that position, to be able to self-reflect. If I think about my early days as a coach, I was pretty brutal. Mm. Uh, and that's because that's what I'd learned, that good things come from an incredibly high work rate, mm. um, pressure, physical presence, aggression. We used to use the word resilient all the time, but I think it, I'm not sure it was resilient rather than it just felt like you either do these things or you don't play. So, and that, you know, that's a really long time ago. And then you start coaching and you perhaps 
take on some of those habits. Mm. It's not until you find that you've influenced an individual, and sometimes that might be that weak. You might get an individual that is strong enough as a young person to come back to you and say, that that really affected me this week. The way you spoke to me in front of the group really affected me in a negative way. And I feel really bad about it. In fact, my whole week's been um, a shocker because of it. But then it might take six months or 12 months, or it mightn't be until you finish coaching those individuals. And I've probably been lucky enough over the time that I've at least been able to develop good relationships with individuals before we've had a blow up and I've said something that has been not the best, that they've mm. come back to me early. What's going on? Why did you why did you why'd you blow up today? Why did I cop it today? Mm. <clears throat> it's them being vulnerable enough to be able to go back and say, perhaps there was some truth in what I said to the individual and the feedback. Generally there is. Um, but then it's also, do you know what? I was actually I've had a really bad week. This has gone on, this has gone on. Oh, I just had a crack at you today because you weren't as good as you should have been, but I knew as an individual that you could cope with it and that we would probably have this conversation. So sometimes you'll need that type of behaviour. But for the majority of it, now at my age, I'm certainly more about asking questions, connecting, relating, understanding the individual. What makes you be the best you? And then I will endeavour during the short time that I have you each week to support you in that space mm. and educate you in that manner. I personally think, so, you know, in terms of my own personal opinion on it, I think the moment you've realized that you've affected someone, you have a responsibility to go back and to, to resolve that matter in some way, shape or form. You know what I mean? To go back and say, hey, look, that's fully on my shoulders. I shouldn't have responded to you in that way. That was all on, you know, I had the opportunity to react or respond in a particular way and I didn't didn't do it or to go back and say hey we need to have a conversation i was really hurt by the things that you said i reacted poorly but i really want to talk about why i was hurt and talk about how we you know that type of thing so for me personally i always think an immediate conversation once identified because i think anything that festers i'm learning very much so anything that festers kind of builds and builds you just gotta you just it's just little conversations along the way it's just dealing with it as it comes do you see it in that way in your personal uh, life, obviously not talking about this other individual who she's got a very difficult job. She obviously maybe doesn't have the level of insight at the moment to see that her words are, are affecting it. But not learning from that lesson, what do you do in your normal day-to-day -day life? Uh, similar to yourself, um, addressing things when they need to be addressed, finding the avenue or the angle to approach the individual that you're dealing with. Everybody's different. People have to be ready to have the conversation. So it's not up to me um, or yourself as an individual to go, like, right now, mm. I'm we're going to have this conversation. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Perhaps you're not ready. Yeah. So, what so a lot of it of is about measuring. Yeah. It might just be drip feeding mm. or it might be pulling back from the individual so that there's an understanding that we're not connecting at the moment, something's missing. And then that leads to a conversation and hopefully that's at a point where there's reflection on both sides. Mm. If it's just reflection on one side, then it's just like speaking to a mirror. Mm. So both sides need to have time to reflect. So it's that's a really hard one because mm. there's not a, it's not, you know, a simple fix for every single situation. Mm. And I think you have to be fluid in that space to be able to respond differently, understand individuals differently. What makes them tick? Why do they get upset? How long do they stay upset for? Mm. 
do they take on that feedback to you but then run away and go, I'm still really upset? You mentioned before that the first for this week was your first little vomit. Yes. Note to self, take your anti-nausea tablets. That's, that's take good. your anti-nausea tablets. Don't consume a huge amount of oats. And, um, <laughs> we don't, please don't go back and do it else. It makes me feel so sick. Post talking. your first Pilates workout. Yeah. Again, body smart. Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> shout out. Double fantastic. shout out one episode. I do feel I do feel really good though. Mind you now, body feels fantastic post Excellent. my session. So amazing. Well the other first, looking across from uh, your new fresh feels going on there, is the uh, is the new hairstyle. You noticed. I did. It was uh, I think it's quite cool. Do you know what? People pay a lot of money for this. Well, that's the amazing thing, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm more surprised because I always called you Mr. Potato Head. I was like, that hair, there's nothing that's going to happen to that hair. <laughs> Just squeeze them and more will come out. Oh, do you know what? And I think I said this maybe in one of the episodes that one of my, uh, I was determined that I was going to keep my hair. When everyone I've spoken to have said, it's it's actually like with radiotherapy on your it's on your brain. It's on your skull. Yeah. It's kind of inevitable. You can't avoid it. Yeah. But obviously, me being me, I was like, yeah, okay, we'll see about that. And I was <laughs> optimism fine. Optimism only lasts so yeah. far until the body goes. I don't know well. if that's. I don't know if that's optimism. I think that's just um, <laughs> ego and stupidity. Yeah. Okay. More good, than right. optimism. We can. So, we can. Diff- we'll put little buckets. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Differentiate them. Optimistic is being realistic to a degree. This is just unrealistic stupidity <laughs> uh, and ego. So anyway, I, describe the new feels. Describe the new hairstyle. Um, to all the AFL fans out there, um, that that love Dustin Martin, um. And his haircut, I'm probably I'm trending down that space. So, okay, so what it looks like is, um, and why it looks this way. Yeah, I was going to say, um, explain the why. There's, uh, with radiotherapy, and again, um, if there's any um, oncologists out there listening to this um, and going, he's saying all the wrong things. I know, I'm only speaking to... from my experience and my knowledge, which is limited because I leave the expertise and the knowledge up to the doctors, yeah. um, not to Google or anybody else that yeah. wishes to advise me. I feel like we need to get someone on the on here one time just to explain. There's been a few things that we've already identified we've probably said wrong or not explained right or done whatever. I think yeah. we almost need to write them down and then go, right, let's clear We can do a little audit <laughs> session at some stage yeah, yeah. and go back and go, wow, yeah. we said that. Yeah. But um, to explain, um, the, the radiation treatment goes in at one point um, and it obviously has an exit point. So uh, where mine is, it's on the left-hand side of my head, and it is um, probably like a three-inch uh, strip that runs from, like uh, the, from top the front. Of your ear. Yeah, across the top of my oh. ear um, and goes down to the back. And then the exit point, which you guys may not be able to see at the moment, but there's... Yeah, it's kind yeah. of on the back left-hand side. Yeah, there's it? a little yeah. dot there where the exit point is. So, so imagine kind of three, three, three inches running from the front along across the top of your ear, down the back, and then just go, you know, a few centimeters over. There's a bit of hair. It's and like a an 1990s undercut. Yeah, it's deadly. It's like when you went and got the undercut. <laughs> um, I have had a similar haircut. Enormous Metallica fan, and. Yep. Um, We'll put it. We'll put a photo on Instagram. I reckon. Yeah. I'll let everyone see the the new do. 
Laura takes one every day because she wants to see the progression. Actually, did, we, um, did she tell you the, the text that she sent around the other night between I, Rach yeah, and I? Typical me, I don't. <laughs> I, I hear the family group messages coming through and I just flip the phone over. And guys, Lee's got, Lee's got his new hairstyle and so we can see where he's now starting to lose his hair. So then Rach and Sam respond back and take a photo of <laughs> Sam's almost a little bit of a bald spot on the top of his head to yeah. which I then take a photo of my partner Borhan who's shaved headed and said oh my god guys look at Borhan as well he's exactly the same so we're all having a bit of a, a everyone's been having a laugh I think the the person that hopes to win the most out of this is um, our brother Jay who um, yeah, for a long true, time so. had a very thick mane and was incredibly proud of it had the worst hairstyles out of everyone in the family Hands down throughout his existence. Um, you're welcome, Jay. If you're, yeah, uh, if you're listening. Big Vanilla Ice fan, Blonde Fringe. Um, oh, yeah, remember that. Yeah, but he uh, he said to me a few weeks ago, you know, pretty soon I'm going to have more hair than you. Um, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? And I said, not a chance, mate. <laughs> not a chance. And uh, he saw the photo and he was a little bit excited about it and said, I'm feeling pretty confident. And I said, mate, it's just, it's like a side shave but it's still thick on top. I'm now crossing everything going, please just leave the, leave the landing strip through the middle of the head. Um, Are we going to leave it? Maybe we need to ask. People can come. We'll put the photo on Instagram. People can comment, maybe give their feedback on what they think you should do. Should you like just shave it all off? Oh, I would. Yeah, I've got no problems with shaving it off. I think it would freak my son out. Yes. Or we'll like write something. Don't people like write things and like Oh, you one could. Thing, yeah. You know, we could get those little like zigzags put in there or something. But <laughs> Max was just touching um, touching it yesterday and he was like, oh, Dad, you've had a haircut. Well, not really, champ. But um, <laughs> if that's how you choose to see it, I like your attitude. Yeah, this I'll is take good. this one. Amazing. So you were also saying, and, and so it obviously it's it's – you get it through that part of your, your, the radiation goes through that part of your head. And so you're saying, and, and we've just literally come from treatment now, not we, yeah. you, I just picked you up. You've just come from treatment, yep. but coming from there now, what, like you said, it doesn't feel like anything, but you said, what is the smell thing? You were, you were mentioning something for, just explain um, that. It could just be me. It smells. As in you can probably... smell something internally. Yes. So you can taste it. And I don't know if it's the, the radiation it's very metallic. It smells like burnt metal, but it also smells like you can set, you can smell that something's burning. This is during, um, after, now? During. Okay, during you can smell Yeah, it it's time. about, I reckon it's about a minute and a half into the treatment that you, it's the, I get that familiar smell. I'm like, oh, yep, okay. And so for me, I just go, well, it's doing its job. Yeah, so it's that's good. It. Great. Some people might not smell anything, but with my nostrils, on the size that they are. This um, is true, actually. It's inevitable. Know, I could smell, um, you know, a pork sausage from 400 yards. So um, it's probably why I pick up on on it, I suppose. So reflecting back on the week and to, to wrap up, what have, uh, what do you miss the most? Um, well, it's pretty easy. Physical contact with my wife is very limited. Um, if anybody out there, I'm pretty sure perhaps Cancer Council or some organisation will have a um, what you can do and what you can't do in relation to um, sex, um, <laughs> and it's quite um, it's quite horrid, really. Um, it's really not worth the effort at all. So, um, so obviously we're on a hiatus 
in terms of that. Um, counting down the days like kids would to Christmas, but um, also not allowed to um, kiss properly. Yeah. I've missed that the most because my, my little boy grabs me the other night. He's very affectionate, which I love, um, and he kisses a lot. I kiss him a lot. And now his little brother Jack's starting to kiss him as well. But Jack's again open mouth pasha, and uh, it's <laughs> fifteen months of age. It's pretty gross. But um, he's so cute. He's very cute. That's what he's going to get away with that his whole life. <laughs> he's so He'll commit a crime, but the, the police will say, "But he's so cute." That's fine. Um, so my little one Max grabbed me the other night, and he said, "Daddy, I want to kiss." And I said, "Okay." And I do a pretty good job of just turning my head and getting one on the cheek. And I did that, and he said, "No, Daddy, no." I want a proper kiss. I want a smooch. I want one on the lips. And I was like, oh. It was the first time I was pretty close to having just a cry because I would love to have given my little boy just a kiss at that point because he wanted it and needed it. And and he's probably now noticing that it's been a while since we've had a proper kiss. So... Um, I had to just sort of suck in my lips and uh, literally I think he just kissed my uh, my beard. <laughs> and when I say beard, I'm not good at growing beards. <laughs> you mean uh, it's more like um, stubble. Yeah, a 17-year-old stubble. So um, that's what he kissed. So that was, that was I missed that a lot and that was a little bit heartbreaking the other night. And um, my wife being the individual she is, very aware of that, she just then grabbed both the kids and said, hey, why don't you come in here and watch this and do and play with this? Because she could see I was a little bit upset at that point. Mm. Um, got over it pretty quickly because I just thought, no, if I start having a cry about this now, I'll probably have to go out the back and it'll it'll be like a torrential downpour. <laughs> so um, I just stopped and thought, you know what, I've only got a few weeks. I've got a few more weeks of this and then I can give my boys and my wife a big kiss. So... If you want to spread the C word, follow us on Instagram at the C word podcast or follow and rate on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts for free.